Hi, I'm Stacy. I love talking about how to know and live out God's callings in our lives, preferably cozied up with steaming beverages in comfy armchairs. You can head to my website, stacysummero.com for more on discernment. That's S-T-A-C-E-Y-S-U-M-E-R-E-A-U.com. I am so happy to be a podcaster. I just want to say that because I've been loving all of the feedback I've been getting. I am just so, so happy that you're here to listen. And if you feel called to, I would love if you could share this episode with a friend. That would mean so, so much to me. I am going to be speaking in Los Angeles later this month. Poor me escaping to the sunny West Coast. So if you could just pray for that, I'll be talking about discernment and also about my other topic, which is self-image and our identity as children of God. I went through an eating disorder for several years, and I'm very passionate about helping people just understand and rediscover their identity. So if you want to have me come as a speaker to your parish or your event, I would love to. I also do Skype packages. So just, you know, go to my website. You can check it all out. Here's a fun fact for you. I was looking up discernment in the Catechism of the Catholic Church, you know, the CCC, and it actually uses discernment in six different ways. So, so often as Catholics, we think about discernment as just being for vocations, just uh, and specifically discernment to be a priest or a nun or a monk, which is not the case at all. So, uh, there's six different uses, and I looked up discernment, and it actually means the ability to judge well, which I think really backs up the whole premise of this show, which is that we should always be discerning. We should always be judging in the best way possible, you know, judging, putting um, putting a, one thing that is good above another good, figuring out what is the greatest good and moving toward that good. So that was a little nerd factor for you all. How are you doing in Lent? It's Lent. Oh, my gosh. Ah, I didn't, I'm recording this before Lent, so I don't know what I'll be giving up or doing, but um, I'll keep you updated. So also, I just want to let you know, I'm going to make the singing at the end of the episode a regular thing because I've really been enjoying that. So today you're going to get a little Lenten Psalm 51, which is a lament and a plea to God for mercy and uh, and repentance. So really good stuff. Check it out. I'm actually singing in eight parts, so don't miss it. Um, first, I want to throw a little recommendation your way before we get into the episode. If you are a single young woman or if you know any ages 18 through 40, I'm asking you to consider joining the Serving the Aged Lovingly Today mission program. It's hosted by the Carmelite Sisters for the Aged and Infirm, and our missionaries spend a week working alongside the sisters, giving their time to the elderly in nursing homes. I say our missionaries because I am actually the coordinator of the program. I work for the Carmelites, and I've spent the last four years building the program from the ground up. So I've seen lives changed and hearts moved, and I just want every available young woman to experience the joy that comes from building relationships with the incredible people that we serve. Okay, let's get to the episode. This episode is really interesting. It's about money, which I know is a painful subject for many people who are in student debt or people who have fears surrounding money that maybe they inherited from their parents. It's kind of tricky, and I don't really attempt to go into the technical side of like budgeting or anything like that. I just, I really 
um, invest in the story of Stacy and John Martinez, who are the owners of a clothing company called Proud Catholic Company. And Proud Catholic Company produces amazing clothes. I love their shirt that they gave me. It is. Uh, it says, all I need today is a little bit of coffee and a whole lot of Jesus. I saw that and I was like, oh my gosh, that is my shirt. And it's the softest shirt. It's the material is amazing. And I love how it looks on me. So it's always the shirt that I wear first after laundry day, if you know what I'm saying. Stacy and John have an amazing story of how they learned to trust God, how they deepen their faith, and how they've really recalibrated their vision of what a good life means. So if you're having trouble trusting God, or if you're a little confused about what financial vision you should have, I think this episode's really going to help you. So let's get to it. Stacy and John, welcome to the show. Yay! Yay. Thank you! Yeah, so happy you're here. What are you guys drinking? We are too happy to be here. I am drinking uh, Earl Grey decaf tea. <laughs> Love it. And I'm drinking clear decaffeinated water. Ooh, that's my favorite kind of water. <laughs> I have to tell you guys, I had a dream last night where you, I was coming to see where you guys make your products for Proud Catholic Company. It was like a big warehouse or something. It didn't make sense. But then you guys were like, oh, the Catholic Cafe is next door and we have to go there for lunch. And we went there and I think, Stacy, you got a Reuben sandwich and you were like, so good. It was super weird. That's funny. <laughs> wow. Yep. It was only when I was driving back from the playroom today with my kids that I realized that that wasn't a real thing. <laughs> That's <laughs> funny. That might be a prophetic thing. Right. <laughs> that crossed my mind too. I was like, maybe I'm going to have the Catholic cafe. So what calls have you received from God in your life so far? And what did those calls look and feel like? When I was in, um, in high school, <clears throat> you know, I drawn to the fashion industry for some reason. Mm. And um, I went to school for um, uh, merchandising and um, buying. I went to a trade school. Mm. And I always wanted to live and work in New York for some reason. I'm originally from Pennsylvania. Okay. And then, which I, I you know, I, I went to school in Philadelphia and I, I did. I eventually moved to Brooklyn. I worked in um, Brooklyn <clears throat> for, um, used to be A&S department stores, which then um, merged with, uh, or was bought by Federated, well, it was part of Federated department stores, which then acquired Macy's, but they kept the Macy's name because it was more well-known. Um, and then I used, I transferred into New York, um, city. So I used to live and work in New York and that was, you know, great for a while. And then the, um, novelty wore off. And then I eventually, um, moved out to New Jersey and, tr and commuted into New York. Um, and then I realized that the fashion industry was not all that I had, you know, expected in my mind yeah <laughs> you, know, you have a certain expectation of what something might be like and you're like oh and you think it's so glamorous, glamorous or something you know just one right. way and you realize it's not you know i guess you just it's not it you know it's it's not fulfilling it's yes. shallow and um it's empty and uh so i guess that's what i felt and then um that's a great place for God to call you to something else because then you need him. Yeah. I, I think God does that to a lot of us. 
my discernment episode um, will probably already be out by the time this airs, but it's all about that because I moved to New York City pursuing my dreams of being a Broadway actress and found out that they were not fulfilling me the way that I thought they were going to. So mm-hmm. I hear you 100%. Yeah, yeah, there you go. That's a beautiful way to put it. It's just not fulfilling me the way yeah. I thought that it would. <laughs> and yeah, and then, you know, but, but I kind of got stuck into a rut of, you know, working long hours and, you know, I was making very, you know, good money and, you know, I was, you kind of don't want to give that up. Um, so you just kind of stay with it. Um, but then, you know, as a, at least me as a woman, you know, getting older and, you know, realize I do want to get married. I do want to have children. So where does that fit into with my, you know, my career. Um, cause you know, I started out as assistant and then, you know, worked my way up to, you know, buyer and had my own department and I had, you know, assistant, I was, you know, handling millions of dollars of, mm. of goods. And, um, so that was like a big transition for me to go from that career to, um, being a, um, a wife and a, a mom. And, but it's some, it's funny is because it's something that I always wanted because my parents were self-employed and when I got off and they, it was from home and when I got off the bus every day from school, they were there. So, and my mom was there and it's just something that I always felt in me that I wanted to do for my children. I always wanted to be there for them. So, mm-hmm. you know, once John and I got married and started have, you know, talked about having kids in the family we already had you know I had expressed that desire to him and I told him that I want to be home and he's he was fine with that so um once we um once I had my first child I didn't go back to work so as much as I wanted that it was a tough transition yeah I was still I was you know that whole you know your mentality of you know I was you know making money I was contributing to our um family and then all of a sudden I'm here staying at home <laughs> changing diapers and stuff like that so yeah I love it now it's a I would shock never up, you know um, mm-hmm. it's the best thing in the world and, it, and it's so fulfilling um motherhood is just really um amazing how it it stretches you and and mm-hmm. um, stretches your love and how you just grow yeah um, I, I love that you highlight that it was tough, though, because I think for young people going through this transition, we sometimes encounter older people, not like you, but like older, older people, like who are um, years and year, who look back on their years of child rearing and, and just only remember the happy memories. And so I think mm-hmm. it's, I want to normalize because I've talked to so many moms about this. I really want to normalize that it's okay to have a culture shock going from being a oh, um, yeah you know, a quote unquote productive person who meets their quotas. And then you are in this world where it's the work of a lifetime and you're not going to see the immediate results until, you know, your child <laughs> grows up. Right. It's, a, it's just such a different life and not being around other adults, you know, instead being around this little baby who doesn't talk. So side note, right. but yeah, yeah. I, yeah, it's tough and it's okay that it's tough. And yeah. yeah. And you know, what? And, and also my, my faith was, you know, I didn't really have, you know, I was Catholic, but I was, you know, Sunday only Catholic and mm-hmm. my faith didn't, um, you know, it didn't go into the week. <laughs> sure. You know, I was Catholic on Sunday and, and then on top of that, my Catholic on Sunday was 
basically in my terms, you know, I, you mm. know, I would pray, um, but I would be praying for God to help me with my will, <laughs> not yeah. his, you know, so yeah. I would ask him for things that I wanted, not what he wanted. So, mm. you know, my, my faith journey is, and my relationship with Christ is much different now than what it was then. So I think that's also why it made the transition so much harder because I was very worldly and very, you know, very secular and materialistic. So. Mm. I, you can't see me, but I was just punching my fist in the air with like, amen, when you said about <laughs> praying to God and asking him to give you what you want instead of what you need, which is what he really does give, give yeah. us. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. Mm -hmm. But it's just one of those things, you know, like I have six kids. I never imagined that I would have six kids, mm. but I could never imagine life without those six kids. Mm -hmm. So awesome. It's beautiful. Yeah. How about you, John? What are some of the calls you've received? Um, my journey is like a roller coaster. <laughs> it's, it's actually like an amusement park because, uh, <laughs> you know, there's some rides are closed and there's some rides are available. And there's some rides are scary and there's some rides are easy to ride. So mm. my journey of signs of God is just like, uh, just... It's very different variables of me wanting to do what I want, as Stacy said, you know, mm -hmm. doing my will. Um, and then about my late 20s, that's when I really desired to have a family. Mm -hmm. And my journey from, you know, coming into the city, dabbling, I was a very artsy, fartsy kind of person. <laughs> I he was, worked in the city as well. I That's was, where we met. We, I was we, very much into um, the whole avant-garde scene. I was very into mm -hmm. the artsy fit, uh, scene. And then, you know, I got the acting bug mm -hmm. and wanted to do that as well. So I have all those, like I said, it's like an amusement park. There's all these different types of rides that I wanted to try and to see if that fits me or not, if this is what the Lord has really called me. Um, but I was, as I was growing up, my mom always reminded me of to pray wherever and whatever situation I'm in. And so, I'm, but again, I was just praying for the things that I want. Mm -hmm. I never, I never really began to ask God's will until I had my conversion. Mm -hmm. So to make the long story short, God had showed me signs that, I look back now, there's so many signs that, you know, it's like, uh, it's oh, yeah. like, it's awesome. Hindsight is 2020. Yeah. It's like, <laughs> it's really mm -hmm. like when you look after having our conversion, um, looking back, you're like, okay, now I could see God working there and, mm. I, and how his hand was there. But you know, back then in the moment, like you don't, you just don't see it. <laughs> yes. So yeah. you, you guys got married and then you had two children before you, had your sort of reversion of your faith in we actually had we were right? pregnant with our fourth oh wow yeah mm -hmm. yeah that yeah. was uh, that was um that was the ultimate uh, i would say I mean, that was the ultimate entering into the gate of conversion by 1998 i remember uh laying on my bed in brooklyn i was praying Again, I was praying again for something that I want, but I was praying for Stacy. I was praying for God to reveal and to for me to meet the woman I'm going to be 
married to and have a family with. Mm. And I remember praying that. And then the following year, that's when I met Stacy. And I knew right in then that I was going to marry her because I told my best friend at that time, we were, were all working in the same company. I said, I'm going to marry her. <laughs> you know, and, it's, it's interesting. Yeah. I'm sorry to interrupt. Go no, ahead. No, no, that's okay. No, no. Okay. I, it's interesting. I can't tell you the number of guys that I've heard say that they know the first day they meet this one, you know, this woman that they're going to marry her. And it's interesting because usually the girl doesn't know. But I, I had think, no clue. Yeah. And I think I God, was totally clueless. <laughs> right. And everyone has a totally different journey. So sometimes it can be years of figuring it out. But yeah, it is interesting how I think God sometimes really puts that on a man's heart because yeah. he wants, you know, that man to pursue her. Right. And I, I just think that's, that's fascinating. Awesome. Yeah. So you had four children. You were... Um, or pregnant with your fourth and God kind of scooped you up and brought you into a deeper faith. What did that journey look like? And also there were some lots of turmoil going on with your career. So, so how did that affect you? Yeah. So um, at the time it was a hurricane. <laughs> financial hurricane. Yeah, it was a hurricane. I mean, we, we, we financial had, hurricane, yeah, financial we, tornado, we, financial we, earthquake. We all didn't, at the we same didn't, time. We didn't watch the weather, so <laughs> so we were caught in the middle of it, not realizing it was coming. Mm-hmm. It was the it Tower was the, of Terror in the amusement park, right? Yeah. 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 yeah pretty ah, much it. It was a free fall. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's exactly what happened. At that point, we were self-employed, yep. right? We were. And we, um, because John had continued working in New York while I stayed home with, you know, with the yeah. kids. We had um, three kids and then um, one Christmas and New Year's, he had to spend, when he was working in New York, because he was a designer, he had to spend overseas in, in uh, China for Christmas and New Year's. And, you know, he used to, he worked very late hours and le- left early in the morning. So by the time he would leave in the morning, the kids were not up. By the time he would come home, they were already sleeping. So he was only seeing them on the weekend. So Part-time. Um, I was yeah, a part-time dad. He says he was a part-time job, dad, but, uh-huh. you know, he saw them on the weekend. Um, and he was still present in their life, but he wanted to see more of them. Mm. And, um, so this whole being away for the holidays, we're like, we don't want this kind of lifestyle. Um, so, um, we decided that we were going to start our own business and I guess the Lord kind of planted those seeds because other people in our, when we were working together in our previous company, because I was in uh, buying and merchandising, and he was in, in design, and we were actually in the same department. Um, he had different departments, but same merchandise. So the designs that he was designing, I was buying, <laughs> and placing orders with factories and doing production and stuff. So a couple of people at our job were like, well, you guys could have your own business, and mm. you have your own company. So it's kind of one of those things that we're like, hmm, maybe we could. Mm, yeah. So, you know, the Lord's, again, working there. <laughs> Um, so with, you know, his late hours and, you know, being overseas during the holidays, we're like, we don't want this. Um, let's, let's try it and uh, start our own business. So we, we were in the handbag business at the time. Mm. And, um, so we did, and we used to, um, import handbags and sell to, uh, retailers and Mm -hmm. do private label handbags for like, um, urban outfitters. Urban outfitters. Okay. uh, 
Aldo and some other companies. But um, so that went well for like a year and a half, I would say. And then, um, so this was 2000 and Seven. 2000, 2006. 2006. Yeah. And the, the retail industry kind of really like, there was like a, a with the, there was a, the economy. Recession. Slowed down. The recession. Yeah. yeah big time. Big deal. And it hit us hard because mm-hmm. um, we were very worldly. Um, we were very materialistic. We had a lot of material possessions. So, um, you know, money not coming in at all. Um, mm-hmm. You know, we had lost orders and business and stuff like that. Um, it hit us hard because um, no income, all this debt. <laughs> wow. So, yeah. So, you know, we lost, uh, you know, we had properties foreclosed, cars repossessed. Wow. It's very humbling. Um, You know, we had to go on um, state insurance, Mm -hmm. you know, stuff like that. Hi there. I hope you are enjoying the episode so far. I wanted to interrupt you for just a minute to remind you that women ages 18 through 40 are invited to the SALT mission program, serving for a week alongside the Carmelite Sisters for the Aged and Infirm. SALT missionaries are truly the salt of the earth. We design fun activities like giving manicures or having a happy hour that are so meaningful for those whom our society so often forgets. Our missionaries also report that one of their favorite parts is just spending time one-on-one with the residents and hearing their incredible stories. It's really another way to live out our pro-life beliefs by serving with salt. My life has been changed and every one of our missionaries' lives have been changed. If cost is an issue, you're gonna be happy to know that salt is totally free of charge. That's right, zero dollars. You just have to pay your travel and the sisters take care of the rest. I've invested so many hours of my life and my passion into this program and I believe in its ability 100% to help you hear God's voice in your life and to grow in every relationship. Check out www.carmelitesisters.com slash salt dash program. Also, I just want to remind you that I am available to book as a speaker for your parish or your event. I love podcasting so much, but my background is in live theater, so I also absolutely love the live experience of interacting with you in person. I've been so blessed to speak at the National Catholic Youth Conference twice, as well as dioceses and parishes around the country. So if you're a regular listener, you know how surrendering my life to God and inviting Him into every decision has changed my life, and how passionately I believe that discernment is for everyone, not just young people discerning religious life, because we're all faced with decisions constantly. God is speaking to you, He wants you to know it, and I want to help you hear and understand how to hear if you aren't fortunate enough to receive like visions or like a burning bush or anything like that. So, God has used my crazy journey of being on the Broadway national tours, to discerning religious life on a reality TV show, to being a wife and a mother and a speaker, and I would love to share my journey with you. I do understand that there are times where your group or your parish just simply can't afford what it takes to bring a professional speaker in person. So I get that and I do have Skype packages available where I give a talk and I do live Q&As over Skype and those are very reasonable and affordable. So please reach out to me through my website, stacysummerow.com and we will chat. Now back to the episode. So yeah, God was preparing us really for this mission that he yeah he was really he you know, looking back we see that he was really trying to purify us from the world mm, yeah. at the mm-hmm. time we had no idea what was happening i mean we we couldn't really grasp what was happening sure 
and then that sounds so scary to me. Yeah, and especially has, with kids. Yeah, we practically homeless at that yeah. time. Yeah. So wow. 2000, 2007, we were practically the end of 2007. We were practically homeless and bankrupt. Yeah, I was. Wow. And the whole process is is really it's almost like as a almost like we were addicted to the world. So God has to detoxicate us from the world mm. by, you know, um, the, by removing us from all the attachments of mm. the world. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So exactly. he's preparing us to do this, you know, cause in order for us to do this ministry, you have to have complete detachment of the world and not be yeah. distracted by, you know, by, by the, um, what do you call it? What's the word now? Um, possessions well the temptations of what mm. the world has to offer yeah yes and it and, yes. it and it taught us to you know where our strength comes from it's not from us it's from him so if you know this ministry that he gave us to do now it always we have to stay grounded and realize that it's his work you know oh, it's our hands um mm. you know we're trying to do we're trying to follow him let him lead we follow and mm. you know constantly relying on him, his grace, his strength. 2007, we're kind of like, okay, this is a conversion. I know, this is a long journey. And, you know, we, then we ended up with a spiritual director. We're like, what's a spiritual director? And like, <laughs> we have a spiritual director. So God was cool. totally in it. And um, so, you know, throughout the many years, John would always say, um, I just feel like God doesn't want us to get comfortable. Mm. And, you know, that it's funny. Like when he would say that, it would like, resonate with me in in not a, a fullness it was kind of like i feel it but i'm like eh, i don't know it doesn't seem complete mm -hmm. um but when i finally came across that quote from pope benedict i was like yes the ways of the lord are not easy but we were not created for an easy life but for great things for goodness mm -hmm. yeah yeah and what what person without training can run a marathon Right. Exactly. You have to sweat and train. Yeah. And, you know, and it's, it's funny because I, I have often thought to myself, oh, geez, I would really love to be stretched in the ways that I want to be stretched. Like, yeah. I yeah. find it very rewarding um, and exciting to push myself in my career or in self-development or all of my entrepreneur um, ventures. But I find it really, really, really hard to just stay with my crying child who is having a tantrum because he can't put his Legos together. That is so hard for me. But it, but that is my area of weakness, and that is where I need to go. Right. And yeah. And it, it, yeah, I never had. I never went through like a financial hardship like you guys. But I think so many young people are sort of in the midst of this crisis where they've got tons of student debt and potentially a lot of credit card debt as well. And it doesn't feel like this exciting young single life that they imagined or married right. life or whatever it is. Mm -hmm. And they don't really have money to do the things that they thought they would do. Um, and that really, you know, that really limits their ability to choose. So I, you know, this podcast is about discerning and making the right choices and everything. But for a lot of young people, I think our options are limited because we kind of feel like, Oh, I just have to, I just have to make money. I just have to, you know, um, get on the hamster wheel and, and pay off this student debt for the next 10 or 15 years or whatever. Mm -hmm. So, you know, how, what would you say to those young people? Like how has God kind of provided for you 
in those difficult times? And how did you recover from this tower of terror financial hardship? Um, so <clears throat> when, when we were, our, you know, during our conversion, we had our fourth child <clears throat> and then um, we now have six. So mm-hmm. we had two more and, you know, I would say our financial state is probably the same. Mm-hmm. It's just that we have changed and we have learned to trust God. Mm-hmm. And if we, you know, if we would have not changed, we would not have had two more children. Mm-hmm. And, you know, because we would have thought what we normally, you know, what, the nor- the world teaches is that children are expensive and because all our kids, our kids are not starving, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. they're well fed. They have clothing. They have a place to, um, well, it's just like in the scriptures <laughs> when they, and when they, God takes care when, of his people. When he's, <laughs> uh, you know, in the scriptures talks about the birds, you yes. know, you, you, you look at the birds, they, mm-hmm. they're well fed. They're, they have you a know, place to, a place to sleep and they go from place to place and they, you know, have a place to call their, you know, home and, you know, he takes care of them. So Mm -hmm. what makes you think that he will not take care of people, his people that he loves, his, his sons and daughters. Mm -hmm. Will you, will you let him take care of you? Yeah. Yeah. It plays into this idea, you know, the idea that children are expensive. Yes, a child is expensive if they can only, you know, if you have to be able to afford to also, you know, take them on fancy vacations twice a year or drive this certain kind of car. You don't need to do that. Right. You don't don't need to go. I mean, we shop at thrift stores. (laughs) Hey, we do too. Love the thrift stores. We have people who, you know, we give clothing to people. People give us clothing. You know, it's just, there's community and God provides in many different ways. Mm -hmm. It's actually even more beautiful that you shop at a thrift store because you have worked in the fashion industry. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, part of it is kind of like, because I know what things actually cost. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Like, I will not pay (laughs) I know oh, what yeah. that actually really costs. <laughs> you know oh, yeah. I, totally, <laughs> totally. Just, I'm just, you know, I don't know. I, it plays I, into like, what is the financial vision that you have for your life? What do you actually need to be happy? And my husband yeah. has challenged me a lot in many different ways because when we got married, he, you know, from my perspective, I was like, oh, well, we need the Calphalon pots, you know, because they last, you know, 30, 40, 50 years or whatever. And, and you get the the name brand, really nice things at the beginning of your marriage and they last you. And John was like, well, really though? Like, do we really need, you know, the $100 pot instead of the, you know, the $20 or $15 one? Like how much longer is it actually going to last us something like a pot? And so yeah. it, it has taught me to be much more um, discerning about what I actually spend money on. And, you know, even like you mentioned, the founder of Starbucks, like a Starbucks drink is so expensive that if you're thinking that, you know, I have to have a Starbucks every day and I also have to get, you know, when I go to Starbucks, I have to get a Starbucks for each of my children, then you're going to spend like, then yes, children are expensive. You know, if that's your financial vision for your life. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cause then you're dropping 50 bucks at Starbucks every day and it's like, Ooh, that's, <laughs> that's not good. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah. This is really great. Um, uh, yeah. So I, I kind of want to, I'd love to hear more about Proud Catholic Company, how that was founded and your mission and your goals behind it. Okay. I mean, so Proud Catholic Company really is the fruit of our conversion. It's, it's not something that we planned on doing. You know, we were yeah. like, oh, we're going to make Catholic t-shirts. He wasn't actually in the radar at all. No. It was just, again, mm-hmm. it was given to us. And at that, mo- and at that moment in the beginning, we really didn't understand that it was given to us. We were just so excited to be Catholic. It's yeah, like, after hey. our conversion. <laughs> it's like, why don't we just tell everybody, you need to be Catholic because it's awesome. Well, and, yeah. <laughs> well, what happened was, both, I mean, we were very blessed. God was so gracious and he still is very kind to us, more than kind, so good to us. Mm-hmm. You know, that we both experienced a conversion together um, around the same time, um, you know, together. Some, some experiences unique, some... Um, you know, overlapping together. So, so after we experienced this conversion, we were so in love <laughs> with Jesus. We just both felt the desire to use our experience from the fashion industry, you know, the experience that God gave us. And we felt to glorify, we wanted to glorify him rather than ourselves. Mm. Well, you know, it's, um, we were, Invited Washington say invite we we kind of t- tag along with grassroots films at at the um in two thousand eight mm-hmm. and uh, oh yeah I love them to an event in um in Boston yeah and, Boston. Uh, and because at the time we made we had like six or seven seven shirt designs yeah we we made seven designs seven for that, shirt designs for that, and we for had that conference well no also for the our parish our parish we had like um. We used to do uh, like an Easter celebration with kids and stuff, and we had shirts that we we made and and we we had there, and we made a proud to be Catholic car magnet. Mm. So we had that and these seven shirts, and we just were like, the the Lord just started opening. He opened the door. And then Father Pasoli, uh during one of the segments. A quick um, in between shows on EWTN. He, one men- day. he mentioned mm-hmm. about being proud to be Catholic, mm-hmm. and that was a confirmation. That was like, yeah, a real final. Yeah, we had gotten many confirmations, and then that was like the seal. Like, okay, this, yeah, that's, that was the stamp. That's the name. That was so the stamp. he said it's not a pride of ourselves, of ourselves. Mm. but it's um, out of love. But the love for Christ, for love for the church. Love for the faith, yeah, and, then, and we, awesome. that's exactly how we felt. It was it was out of love, mm-hmm. so we're like, okay, this is it, and this is what. And then Father Christopher had shared, you know, a bunch of confirmations that he had gotten um, that you know that the Lord was calling us to it. Mm-hmm. So, so two thousand eight is when it officially that's when we officially started. Okay. Now, I want to go back real quick to Grassroots Films. Did you share a booth with them? Is that how they were involved in your... Yeah. Yeah. Okay. They're the ones who did the human experience, right? 
Yes. Okay. I know I've had a few phone conversations because I was potentially going to be working on a project with them um, a couple years back as part of my work with the Carmelite Sisters. And um, I really, their, their founder, I can't remember his name right now, but he's wonderful. No, Joe Campo. Campo, yeah. Yes, Joe yeah. Campo. Yeah. I'll link to them in the show notes. They have really great stuff. They did yeah. Child 31, I believe as well. Yeah. That's such a powerful, I was, I was just in tears watching that. Oh, yeah. So moving. Yeah. Yes. And the music they do for their films is gorgeous, but. Yes. Yeah. 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 Cool. So, I do want to touch on something that as, as a mother myself and a parent and, you know, or anybody who just is like, well, I got to pay my bills. How did yeah. that sort of practical side of things play into your discernment? Well, I know for a fact there's many incidents in, through our journey in the beginning and even now that there'll be moments of, wow, how, how are we going to pay for this bill? Mm. And we learn, again, to really to depend on God by going back on our knees, getting on our knees and pray. Mm-hmm. And being in, having Him and putting Him as our Lord and Savior. Mm. Giving Him everything? Yeah. 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 Very much. Just the mm-hmm. whole letting go. And the yeah. funny thing is Surrender. that... Yeah, you think you're giving him everything and then something happens and you realize you're not giving him everything. Mm. And you realize you can you can go deeper and you can trust yeah. him more. And it's just pretty amazing how, you know, even the Lord, you know, he ministers to you so gently where you're at and what you can handle. And then he stretches you a little, you know, and mm-hmm. you're able to go deeper. Um, Do you- do you remember any times when you were faced with something that seemingly insurmountable obstacle and then, you know, God came through for you in a way that you couldn't have understood before you gave him, you know, your, your problem? Oh yeah. One thing that. Plenty of time. I mean, there's a lot, but one, one thing that comes to my mind right now is that, um, uh, I forget what year we were audited, right? 2007. Was it 2000 or I think it was 2008, right? Yeah, 2008 is just when we were audited by the IRS. Yeah, and we were like, mm-hmm. uh, because, you know, our income had tr- drastically dropped. They thought we were hiding. Yeah, stuff. and we were like, oh my gosh. <laughs> oh, was, was that scary. sounds so stressful. Yeah, I'm coming in. I had, yeah, they came to our house and interviewed us and everything. Wow. Investigating. Yeah, we, and then I had, we had to go meet with um, this woman. She was I had a, to go bring our tax returns and all of our receipts and everything. And I was, it was so stressful. And I was like, you know, I just offered that to God and I prayed and, and I she go, was a Christian woman. I go in, she's Christian. There's like this, I forget what was hanging on the wall. I forget, you know, she loved, something she about loved God and a, a you know, scripture. And mm-hmm. I was like, Lord is, the Lord is here. And it was so smooth. Mm-hmm. And she's like, you know, it was tense to be in there and you're having her ask the questions and looking at all the paperwork and everything, but everything was fine. She didn't, wow. nothing was wrong. And, and she, she's like, okay, everything is good and you're fine. And we're like, oh, thank you, Lord. But just the yeah. little things and seeing that on the wall and just knowing that the Lord is there. Yeah. Yeah. That's so cool. Yeah. And you so. can, do you feel like you've grown like, at the beginning, it sounds like it was so terrifying. You just were just treading water. As time has gone on, have you grown in trust to the point where you're like, 
okay, God's got this. Like, just let's get on our knees and pray about it. Give it to him. And then things just work out. Or is it still a struggle? No, it's, it's, um, yeah, we know God's got it. Mm-hmm. And we, awesome. we turn to him and we're like, I'll be just like, Jesus help. <laughs> you uh-huh. know, I like, SOS. he's just, the, his name is like constantly on my lips. Like Jesus, Holy spirit, you know, help, <laughs> you know, <laughs> like, yes. <laughs> Why are you? Yeah. I love it. Yeah. Actually Psalm 25, I had never really paid attention to it before, or I don't even know if I'd read it before. It's like, we all know Psalm 23, but 25 is kind of a, an underdog here. I love this, this part. This is Psalm uh, 25 verse 16. Look upon me, have pity on me for I am alone and afflicted. Relieve the troubles of my heart. Bring me out of my distress. And that is such an honest plea for help that mm-hmm. I think when we just go to the Lord and say that, whatever it is that we need, mm-hmm. and if it's not something material, you know, maybe we really need friends or mm-hmm. we need to end a relationship or something, you know, yeah. that's really difficult and tough, or we just need to be more, living more honestly and just going to God and saying like, I, I don't have this. You have this. Yeah. yeah that's awesome. And, yeah. And the thing that we've found is that he, he wants you to come to him mm. like that for everything, mm-hmm. <laughs> not just yep. the big things. It says here also in Psalm 25, verse nine, he guides the humble in righteousness and teaches the humble his way. And I think it's really important to remember that it's his way, not our way. And right. that, as you said earlier, we have to be humbled sometimes in order to be open to seeing God's way for us. So we kind of been talking about like the scary and, and difficult parts of your journey, which I really appreciate you sharing for someone who is maybe in a comfortable place in their life. And they're really scared of trusting God. I feel like stepping out in faith, like starting to do it is, is one of the hardest parts. Yeah. I mean, we wouldn't be where we are, you know, in our relationship with Christ without um, all those struggles. Yeah, without that journey. At least for us. I mean, he works differently in everybody's life. I mean, maybe some people don't need to struggle in order to love and trust the Lord. But for us personally, (laughs) we're hard-headed, I guess. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. We needed to go through that. I think all of us need to go through it in different ways. And the reason I asked that question was because it can be kind of a tough sell to be like, oh, you know, trust the Lord. And then he's not going to give you what you want. you know, or not, not going to give you what you think you want, but he's instead going to teach you to see with new eyes such that what you wanted before isn't what you want anymore. And right. what yeah. you have is what you want. Yeah. Cause honestly, all that stuff is really like, you know, it's like rubbish to me now. Mm. Wow. That's awesome. Right. Yeah, yeah absolutely. That's so cool. I love it. We need to wrap up here, but um, for anyone who has not visited Proud Catholic Company's website, you should definitely check it out. Uh, we were at a conference together in Tampa, and I walked past your booth and saw the shirt that said, all I need today is a little bit of coffee and a whole lot of Jesus. And I was like, that is my shirt. And you all were so generous. You were like, just take it. And I was like, what? And, and I was like, I'm going to have you guys on my podcast. And you told me a little bit about your story. It was really 
you know, it was really inspiring then and, and um, very inspiring now. So thank you for sharing your witness of faith in this super important issue, especially in our world, which is becoming more and more materialistic and more and more messages are being sent to all of us that we need to pursue the things that are going to give you, you know, quote unquote, the good life. But I think it's a really good recalibration of what a good life actually is. So thank you so much for sharing your witness and sharing your journey. Oh, you're welcome. Oh, thank you. Thank you for your work, for being part of this whole evangelization and mm-hmm. spreading the gospel and just bringing Christ into everybody's lives. Mm, yeah. Thank you for saying that. I hope you all have an incredible night and uh, we will talk soon, I hope. Right. Yes, absolutely. God bless. God bless. Peace. Bye. Peace. Bye. <laughs> I've linked in the show notes to everything we talked about in the episode. So go over to stacysummerow.com and you can find it there. While you're there, why not subscribe if you haven't already? I will give you a free worksheet called How to Make the Right Choice about discerning any decision. I'm also just going to ask you to write an iTunes review. I'm just going to ask you again, and I'm not going to stop asking. Thanks, guys. I hope you have a wonderful week. Stick around for this beautiful chant piece at the end. It is about five minutes long. It's not short, but it's in eight parts. I put a lot of my um, my love and my heart into it, so I hope you enjoy it. God bless. Thank you for listening. This is the Miserere Mei Deus, composed around 1638. And the Pope declared that it was so beautiful being sung in the Sistine Chapel during this particular service of Holy Week, Tenebrae, which is only sung one week out of the entire year, which is Holy Week, the Pope declared that it could not be sung elsewhere except the Sistine Chapel during that one week. So this was kind of, this piece had an air of mystery around it. But Wolfgang Amadeus Mozart, you may have heard of him, was traveling around Europe performing and being the rebellious teenager that he was, he attended the Tenebrae service, heard the piece, wrote it down, and Pope Urban Fourteenth was so pleased that he actually allowed the piece to be sung elsewhere instead of chastising Mozart for being a rebel and distributing this, this music and writing it down. So, without further ado, this is the Allegri Miserere Mei Deus. Amen.